So Raputna says in Pachat Yitzchok, Mama 22, um, on Sukkot. Yom Gimel, Tov, Shin, Tet, Vav. So that was 1960, 1955, wow. 1955. Masa of a similar bonum. That's a rabbinic idea that whatever happened to the forefathers, the patriarchs, is going to happen to Bnei Israel. And the Chachmeho Emet meaning the Kabbalists, right? There's different types of Chochmah. Chachmeh Emes, meaning the deeper truths of Torah, the secrets of Torah. Kishosha shel Kedusha's Chag Sukkot's Eitzel Habonim. That the source for the Kedusha of Chag Havsukkot's with our, ourselves, Bnei Yisrael, because the, the verse says in Genesis, and Jacob traveled to a place called Sukkah, therefore, Chazal say that the whole union of Sukkot has to do with the Maaseh of us of Jacob, not Abraham and Isaac. This is the big Chiddush. Because it says Yaakov, Nosa Sukoso, and not the patriarch, they are the forefathers, so therefore we have to look at Yaakov's biography to understand what it portends to us. Nevertheless, we don't mess with the secrets of Torah here, says Rav, says Rav Hutner. But because the, the, the soul of Sukkot is such a, an elevated, sacred, high uh, source, so we can just peek in to the Nistoris of Torah just for a minute. And we, can, and, and we, are, we are permitted to look at certain sacred ideas that although may come from the secrets of Torah, uh, the Kabbalah, we, we permit ourselves to do it. Base. We have, to, we have to preface our remarks with two uh, basic thematic concepts. One, the first one is um, has to do with Jacob's uh, a dream of the ladder. And the rabbis comment as to what is the connection between his dream of a ladder down here going up to heaven and they comment, it's brought in the Tanchuma and elsewhere, that the icon of Jacob, the image of Jacob is carved into the throne of glory, the Kiseyah Kovot. So it is understood, and it was thought that this only that this applies only to the Madrega of Jacob. That's what one would have thought. Why? He's the only one who had that dream, and he's the only one who's carved in the icon of the throne of glory. Now, Rebbe says, 
but that is not the inner. There's emes and there's emes lamito. The deeper truth is, I already told you in Maima 21, Meaning that I already told you in the previous Maima that the the opposite uh, archetypal forms of Abraham representing unconditional love and Isaac representing the contraction and fear and awe so that one is expansive, love, unconditional. The other is restrictive, um, tight, and very, very based on stern justice. Omek bazehu. The depth of that meaning is ki kaviut midoso shel Abram hoysabiyava. It's an archetype. That means that the archetype of the love of Abraham is through that meter, through that archetype, um, comes to reveal the higher nature of whoever is invested with him. So he's manifesting that love which comes from a higher love. And the same goes for the Gevura of Yitzchok. His, what we would say in modern psychology, his basic personality type was so his whole biography in which he plays out his personality traits of Kavura manifests that elevated source. Shiny Yaakov. So comes along Rav Hutner and says, whilst Abraham is linked to the Mida, the attribute of Ahava, and Yitzchak is linked to the attribute of Yira, Yaakov is described as having a more direct connection to Hashem without being linked to the same degree to any attribute. Shani Yaakov. He wasn't based on this kind of personality trait. That he was representing in this balance between Ahava and Yira something that was actually divine and not a product of the divine. It went straight to the Kisiyakov. It went straight to emulating the divine. But Madregoso shall Yaakov, Gam ha Ahava, Vagam ha Yira, Eno Ela Oifanul, Shenduma Atsoliyotse. In the Madrega of Jacob is this delicate balance or this. Mm-hmm. should we say, paradoxical ability to hold two opposites, to love and to be openly um, accepting and at the same time restricting Ava and Gavura, uh, and that is a direct representation of the divine. So what he's saying is, in psychological terms, that in Abraham and Isaac, their manifestations are personality traits that represent the exalted personality traits. But the unique ability of Jacob there's no consequence. It is a direct manifestation of the divine. And on the contrary, any manifestation of Avayira is basically a product of that, not the cause of that. So you have archetype, 
personality and manifestation of personality. Uh, Abraham and Isaac, it's the manifestation of personality which represents the archetype. In Jacob, Jacob is living the archetype, so he is the he is actually the exemplar of the archetype. And therefore, it should be appropriate that his icon, metaphorically speaking, in that dream, only applies to him because his icon, his image, his archetype is right up there. It's not a manifestation, it is the original thing. The second basis to understand what we're going to, my thesis, Raputna says in Gimel, is that we understand that when we go into the sukkah, we're sitting under the schach, and one of the representations or metaphors of the schach is the Anani HaKovot, which are the clouds of glory that protected B'nai Yisrael as they went through the desert after Metziah's Mitzrayim, after going out of Egypt. Sorry, what's the connection between the base and Gimel? None. He's giving you two bases, and he's going to work it later. Oh, okay, fine. So he's going All to right. Kabbalah Israel then and some right. come together. Okay. So the Pashtus, the, the Plainek interpretation is that we had three miracles happening for us, right? The well and the fire and the Anani um, Akovot. The third one is the clouds of glory that accompany us in the desert. Aval bedivrei hagro ala posuk. But the but but based on the Vilna Gaon's thesis, he says the Gros says something absolutely stunning. The Gros thesis is that actually the special clouds that the Sukkah models are the clouds that left after the sin of the golden calf and then retained. So it's not something that was l'chatchila. I'm going to protect you for the first time as you're going into Mitzrayim, going out of Mitzrayim. There were clouds before and clouds after, and there were different clouds after? Yes. There were clouds before, then came the sin of the eagle, and the clouds were withdrawn, and then the clouds came back. Sorry, they came back or they were different clouds? You know, inherently different. I don't know clouds are clouds. Okay. As it says in the Gemara Bovakama, uh, that the second set of tablets were given after the sin, which had the word tov written in them. But in the second, it says ki tov. Because they would never be lehishoveh. They would never, ever be destroyed, the second tablets. That was the promise. Therefore, it's ki tov. When it says ki tov, it means it's something eternal. So that's the basis for suggesting that the second tablets are eternal. And so these, the Brit of the Luchos, of the second Luchos, remains. So, so Rav Hutner says that, um, that that the second luchos would never be destroyed. And therefore, he now makes this stunning connection that the Anani HaKovod, 
represent this protection of Am Yisrael, which was temporary in the desert. But because the Luchos Sheni, after the sin of the Egel, are key tov, therefore the Ananeha Kovod that is linked to that protection now becomes eternal, even though it's a temporary hut. So that which is linked to a specific situation or concept is transient, in that when the situation ceases to exist, so does the thing that's linked to it cease to exist. And the idea of the sukkah is to leave the permanent structure of the house and create a living that is able to survive even when it is not linked to a person's natural environment. And so this protection for the people of Israel, in which it says, as we say before, after Kriya Shema every night, this protectionism is reminiscent of the clouds of glory stunning it's a stunning idea you might have thought that he was upset with us and therefore the return of the anani had covered after the masa ego nee, i'm going to do it begrudgingly no he says the luchos had the word ketov it's eternal it cannot be broken anymore so too the anani covered that return are something that is eternal that protection is eternal he calls so that's the basis of his second idea. Based on these two ideas, these kernels that I have given to you, so we're now going to put them together. Now the Bria Chatichon is that central beam in the Beis Hamikdash that holds the whole roof, but it's also the concept of Yaakov. Because say me say el say the bria chatikar went one from one end to the other. What's one end to the other? Abraham is one end. Isaac is the other end. How do you put those two together? They're irreconcilable. You need a Yaakov who understands paradox, who understands the ability to hold two opposites. Now he says the bria chatikar that holds my two ideas. Jacob as the icon in the uh, in, in the concept thing and the sukkah. This is the concept of that which um, which gives us an eternal shmira. What does it mean to have this protection? Remember, he's writing this after the Holocaust. I don't get why. You've written 55. I don't understand why. Not, you know. The problem is that that if you if you apply something that um, that is linked to a specific situation, it's transient. And when the situation ceases to exist, so does the thing linked to it. Once the situation goes away, so the meter that you're applying, the particular character trait goes away. Because now there becomes a conflict between the original thing that you're applying 
Lying and the Situation. And now he gets very Kabbalistic. You have a situation and you're applying something to it. Abraham and Isaac is applying Ava and Yira to a situation that applies. But what if you have an archetype? That is, the Indian is in that place of potentiality we call the divine. Then you can say, I could apply that particular archetype to every situation, not just situational ethics as it arises. And we can learn this from the words of the Vilna Ga'an. For instance, I can have something that applies to me as long as I'm living in my permanent home. The moment I leave my permanent home, it shouldn't apply. For instance, I got a roof over my head. That's my protection. When I leave my permanent home, I've lost the protection of my permanent roof. I'm going into a sukkah, which is a temporary. Therefore, the concept of protection shouldn't apply. If I'm in the before the Maser Egel, according to the Grah, I have the Anani HaKovas. Now I do the Maser Egel and the Anani HaKovas are withdrawn, I've lost that protection. Yes, he says, Rav Hutna, that's just an Abraham and Isaac thing. What happens if I have a kind of protection that comes from the world of protection that affects me wherever I'm in my house or I'm in my sukkah, whether I'm in before the eagle or after the eagle? Dazzling idea. Because according to the gra, the sukkah and the schach of the sukkah comes from the anane covered, which comes after the cheta eagle, which is associated with the shnei luchos, the second luchos, which is the Eternal, that can never be broken. That can never be broken. Therefore, it applies whether I'm in my house with a protection, whether I'm in the sukkah without protection, because of the gra and his understanding that the second anani are covered are permanent. Just like the second luchos are permanent, they cannot be broken. And that goes with the archetype of Jacob and the dream and the Anani HaKovod, because Jacob is Chakuk on the Kisi HaKovod, which is a place beyond and in a place of paradox, whether I'm in my house or without my house, down here in this world without the protection. So these are the two particular gifts from the divine. One, and two, the idea that you do have these levels of divine control in which the archetype of Abraham and Isaac is dependent on the situation down here so that we wouldn't have that protection if we're not in the situation. I'm not in my home. I have no protection. Or I'm in Galut. I don't have divine protection. 
or I have just sinned, I've lost my protection, versus the meter of Yaakov, which represents this constant divine protection, whether I'm in the house or out of the house, before the eagle, after the eagle, in Eretz Yisrael or in Galut. So that it turns out that every meter, every individual particular thing that happens is considered a temporary dwelling. Everything we're doing, our provisional lives. Clape, when you talk and compare it to the perfection of the divine. So this temporary dwelling that we go into, nevertheless paradoxically covered by the divine schach, which is mirrored in the temporary schach, but there's a disconnect. The temporary schach in the natural world doesn't protect us. But it refers, according to the Gra and to Rafutna's understanding of the Gra regarding Yaakov, it doesn't matter what's going on down here because I'm not dependent on the Tsura. I am going originally to the connecting to the archetype. So Rafutna's message is eye opening to contemplate. Don't belittle the contribution of the second tablets. While less miraculous than the first, the fact that they had the ability to survive makes them the proper setting for tov or permanence. And the sukkah represents the idea that even a temporary dwelling necessary while we are wandering in the desert, not ready to enter Yisrael, or we today in Galut, has a message that has echoed throughout our history. Even without our sacred homeland and temple in its heart, no matter where we were, we were always able to forge a relationship in the temporary house of the Sukkah or the temporary homes of Galut with the, the divine. We, like Yaakov Yisrael, after whom our nation is named, are beyond dependency on any one attribute or setting. We can and must always find the means of seeking Hashem's protection of us and His interest in maintaining a close relationship, no matter the circumstances. That is what uh, what He's saying. That we um, must find it, or it's going to happen anyway. That there's a, that there is something unconditional about that relationship. That's what He's saying. Now, the rabbi yesterday was talking about... If it's unconditional, then we don't have to go look. We're looking for it. Correct. We just have... But we have to make the step of leaving our permanent homes and entering into the uh, sukkah as a performative statement of faith. By entering the sukkah and sleeping under the schach, what are we saying? We are saying, according to Rav Hutner, that I am connecting to the meter of Yaakov rather than the meter of Abraham and Yitzchak. I'm connecting to that icon that, icon that is Chakuk on the Kisei HaKovet, which is beyond time. What is so interesting here is that it comes after the sin of the Egel. It is the second Lupos. Why is it that only the second Lupos, and this is my question on the graph, have the appellation Kito? Why couldn't it have been a perfection of the first? Why does it require the Masehu Egel? 
So the Rav said yesterday that that um, that what does it mean when it says you didn't go after Elohei Nechar? You think that there are other gods in the sky? So he says that there were other Elohim, other angels. When you went to the Masei or Egel, what were you saying? It wasn't Avodah Zorah. You know very well that there are four supports for the Kisei HaKovod, one of which is a Shor, one of which is a Nesher, one of which is a Odom. That sure is one of the four. Yeah. What Bnei Israel were really saying, and this is also true in the Zoya, that we're, we're gonna we're gonna settle for just the shore. We don't need the whole thing. Just leave us. Moshe didn't come down. Okay, we'll settle for one of the one of the amudim of the kizeh You want to settle for something less than the kizeh Then you're subjecting yourself to the problems of time. You're settling to Elohim, the angels that support the kizeh I'm taking you away angel who was before you and I'm telling him to go behind you in the desert. And the Ananiha covered them um, came only when, according to this Medrash player, Am Yisrael, on leaving Mitzrayim, made a brisk with each other to take care of each other. At that point, the Ananiha covered descended. It's an amazing Medrash. The Anani HaKovah represented that horizontal love of each other. And he says, so therefore, what am I doing when I'm going under the schach? I am saying that I am entering into that space of love for every other fellow. And that's why the Chidor says it's important to give stock on Erosukas, because it is the mitzvah that triggered the Anani HaKovah. But for me, what makes this so compelling is the fact that this happened after the sin of the ego. Meaning God had to understand and had to have a learning experience, Kaviofel, a work in progress, that I will forgive you. Not only that, I'm going to give you the so that if you ever fablonger again and make mistakes, this is what you do, Moshe. You tell the Shliach Tzipa to put a talus over his head and say the Yukimum So in some way, a, a, you've had a, a fight with the wife or with the kid or with your friend. And now you make up. What has happened to that relationship? It has survived that disconnect. And therefore, at some level, it's stronger. Because you realize what it's like to be without your friends or without your wife or without your kids. And now you say, I'm resolving to forgive and, and put it aside and make the relationship stronger. I think that's what the Groh is saying. He's saying that the second lufus that came dafka after the breaking of the tablets because of the first lufus, that rage, after that disconnect, the reconnection is, is tov. And tov doesn't mean good. It means complete. And there's something complete about a relationship that has survived a disconnect and now comes back together stronger than ever uh, because it has survived that the trauma of that disconnect. And at some level, a seasoned couple that have been through life and been through all the struggles with each other um, have a deeper sense of connection. And I think that that, that concept makes the Gros notion very compelling that the ketob of the second Luthos is represented by the return of the Anani HaKovod. This kind of protection is not based on my performance, that's Avram and Yitzchok, it's directly connected to this connection above from the fixing of the relationship that was so 
torn aside. Now the Groh elsewhere says that the second Luchos is Torah Shabal Peh, which requires us to horror in it, to struggle in it. Why? You got it too easy the first time. Torah Shabbat was given to you and it was too easy. Now you have to rediscover. And every generation is constantly being mechadish Torah Shabbat pair in the uh, in the effort to recreate the, the second Luchos, to recreate Torah Shabbat pair that it was in the first Luchos. It's a rediscovering or a remembering that which we forgot. So it goes along with this idea that we, we don't have to worry that our Torah Shabbat is going along the wrong way. We have a protection that when Klal Yisrael decides this is Torah Shabbat in every generation, just like Ripsodic says, uh, we we are going to access it correctly because we have that divine protection. And the Svasema says, why do we say in benching, Boine Yerushalayim? We should have said, Bono Yerushalayim. We're thanking God for creating Jerusalem. So the Svasema says, now you got it wrong. Boine Yerushalayim is creating every brick towards the third base Hamikdash. That's the Torah Shabbat Building, building, through Chidushe Torah of every generation. So my question is, in a post-Holocaust, this was written in 1953. It, it hasn't seeped in that this divine protection wasn't there. And so what would be my response to this? Sorry, that this divine protection wasn't where? In Auschwitz. No, you can't go like that. You can, I'm sorry, I'm not letting you... No, I'm, I'm, you're not. You can't. And I said this to Rog yesterday. We, we, we have to talk about it. You cannot learn Torah now without the understanding of what took place. And the Chidashim the and Torah has to change as well. So how would I read this in the breaking of the, of the tablets in light of the tremendum of what took place? Because this is talking about I'm walking into my sukkah. Right, and there are stories about people making little huts despite the Nazi, they'd be killed if they would do anything to keep a mitzvah of sukkah in, the, in, in, in Auschwitz. What, what, does that, what were they thinking? That's what I wanted. What were they thinking where humanity was so degraded that the Nazis were focused on any Jew who performed a mitzvah, they would just kill him because they were after our spirituality they want to degree, degrade us what what is a what is a yid doing in Auschwitz he's giving up his cigarettes for a bit of flour to make a matzah he's giving up his bread ration you know to get some leaves from the guard or to the sonder commander so he can sit in that sukkah to be Makai in the midst of the sukkah not asking now about theodicy questions I'm asking I want to tap in to the spirituality of a person who would give up his cigarettes ration to bake a matzah or to go into a sukkah for a few minutes to make a brachaleshev basukkah. Is that a statement of defiance? Is that a statement of belief? Is it a statement of uh, I'm I I'm not going to give up on the religion of my fathers, right? Very often I'll feel, oh, you know, I'm just doing this by rote every morning, putting these black straps on. But then sometimes I think I can't give up on this. Why? Not because I find it to be irrational or loss of meaning or it becomes so by rote after decades. 
But because my father nearly lost his life when he stood on a boat, the, the, the Dunera ship, on his way to Australia on a prisoner of war ship in 1941, dodging U-boats and torpedoes, and the anti-Semitic Captain Smith wants to, throws over all the tefillin of the, of the prisoners because he says inside is written code to the Germans. And my father, who spoke flawless English, coming from Vienna High School, Gymnasium, comes up to the captain as it comes to his turn, and they take chucking all their suitcases overboard, anything with German written in it in letters, and says to him, Sir, in this box is your Bible too. And he lets him keep it. And the rest of the journey, he shares his tefillin with the rest of the prisoners. And so when I, when I tap into that, you know, is it that what's making a guy sell his cigarettes? Because his father kept, and his father's father kept, and no matter what adversity we're in, we are going to keep these rituals because that defines us as a people. Possibly, I don't know. I need to. I need to delve into every midrash that we learn in light of the tremendum to make sense. Uh, so that our children can say, well, how did you struggle with these texts? What does it mean to you?